It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I'm your host, Jake Mastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see everywhere I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe there as well. And thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen each and every day. Right now, we're posting episodes three days a week during the lockout Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once this stinking lockout finally ends, we'll get back to going to five days a week, giving you all the Braves content that you can handle. On today's podcast, we're going to be doing an interview with Rome Braves play-by-play voice Kevin Carroll, talking about the Rome Braves prospects and some recent prospects who have come through the system. So really excited about this conversation with Kevin. So let me go ahead and bring Kevin in here. Kevin, thanks so much for joining the podcast here today. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate you having me and glad we were able to find a time to work it out. Yeah, yeah, as always, trying to get interviews uh, going. The hardest part is just figuring out a time that works for everybody. So I've been trying to set this up for a couple of weeks now. Glad we were able to do that. And like I said, Kevin, uh, the play-by-play guy uh, with Rome. How many years have you been with Rome now, Kevin? Uh, I started doing um, covering all the home games there as like a – you might say like a beat reporter in 2014 and then started doing – all play-by-play radio and TV there, home and road in 2015. And then um, obviously this past uh, year, there was uh, things were a lot different because of COVID restriction and, you know, inability to go in the clubhouse, couldn't go on the field, different protocols that were in place. Uh, And there was no, um, I think there was only one guy in our league that was doing, uh, road games last year, my friend Sean, and he was taking his own car and there was a lot of moving parts to that. But long story short, I did not do road games this past year. But prior to that, I had done all the, the home and road stuff for them. Yeah, that was that was something I was going to ask you is what was it like, you know, during this the pandemic? You know, obviously there was no minor league season 2020 in this past year, um, but you were able for home games. You were able to be there and call those games at the stadium, right? Yeah, it it basically, um, I mean, it changed a lot. COVID definitely, you know, changed minor league baseball really forever uh, in a lot of ways, I think, because they were, I don't know if it was realistic hopes or not, but when there was an actual minor league baseball organization, they thought they maybe had some leverage to uh, negotiate, keeping some teams, different things like that, but Obviously, the season got canceled, and then uh, minor league baseball just completely went away, and it was taken in by major league baseball. A lot of uh, teams got 
the acts there what was it 42 teams i think which were which were folded and i'm glad a lot of those um you know cities and communities have been able to have some other form of baseball to uh keep it going there was several teams in our old league the south atlantic league um that i thought were fun cities good ballparks um Certainly would never say anything bad about any of them. Um, and loved going to Lexington when we did. Always had fun in uh, West Virginia. I was a pretty far drive, but enjoyed it. Um, you know, Hagerstown was kind of a unique thing, but um, I saw some of the best talent I'd ever seen in my life when we were in Hagerstown. It was not a was not a new ballpark. It was not a, a fancy ballpark by any means, but um, you know, saw Juan Soto play there in a couple of different seasons saw Victor Robles play there and um, some great guys came through there. So there was good memories in all of those towns and then COVID hits. So we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for the season. Eventually it gets canceled. Um, Luckily they, they at least had a major league somewhat of a season that year with the 60 games. And um, last year, wasn't really sure what was going to happen this time last year. We were all kind of, you know, waiting. And my, my situation is a little more unique than most, um, minor league broadcasters. Most broadcasters work full time for the team. Um, and I have been a, uh, I, I work full time in radio for was with a local group in Rome now with a local group in Cartersville. And so I work for the Braves, uh, as what you would call like a seat, like a contract seasonal, uh, employee. So, um, for me, you know, I'm doing my other work, just kind of waiting for them to tell me what, what's going to happen. Um, and so they were, you know, eventually they figure out we're going to have a major league season. So once the major league season gets established, then they can start focusing on the minor league season and ended up having the you know the start in may and and they i don't know how familiar you are with the old leagues and stuff but the south atlantic league used to be very spread out and um you know this you might have two off days in a month you might go you could be home for a week and then go to you know west virginia for four days and then come back to rome and then go to charleston south carolina for four days you know it was just all over the place with the scheduling and that was you know it could be tough when you get home at four or five in the morning and then you got a game that day at at six or something it could be tough but say all of that to say that the when they changed it it was supposed to be an easier schedule for everyone involved to make it less uh, oppressive for the players, the staff. So now instead of having that kind of unpredictable schedule where you never knew where you were going at what time now, it's honestly, it's pretty, I'd say compared to the old way, this is fantastic. I mean, you're off every single Monday. So you're guaranteed an off day once a week, no matter what, no matter where you are, you're off on Mondays. That would have done a lot of guys a lot of good uh, in the in the previous years when you know they were in the old system. Certainly, it would have been a heck of a lot better for the pitching staffs. I mean, you you look back to twenty seventeen and before that, there were no there were no runner on second, extra inning games. There were you know there were challenges and double headers. We used to play seventeen, eighteen, nineteen inning games back then with twenty five players on a 
on a roster and limited player movement. I mean, that was a lot mm-hmm. tougher than, uh, yeah. than what it is now. So now you've got Tuesday through Sunday, you go to one place for six days, which is also so much easier. And then last year, the way it started, they were on the road for the first two weeks. So I think they were gone for 16 days on that initial road trip. So we didn't have the home opener last year. Wasn't until I think May 18th, something like that. And um, yeah, it it was a long wait to go from Labor Day of 2019 to May 18th of 2021. But it was very satisfying to be back there. And this will be the most normal season that the Miners has had in three years. And I know a lot of people are looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The only thing I'll say as a fan, I don't love the Monday off day every day because that's also sometimes an off day for the major league team. And that's when I want to sit down and watch, you know, minor league games and don't have that availability. But makes a lot of sense with what you're saying and making it easier, you know, on the players, on the staff as well. Um, And Rome got moved up to, you know, become a high A affiliate for the Braves as well as part of those changes. And you got to see a lot of great prospects come through Rome last year. You had, you know, Michael Harris and and Jesse Franklin who were there, you know, all year. You had Spencer Strider, Jared Schuster, Bryce Elder, you know, Von Grissom who came through as well. Who impressed you the most at Rome this year and why? Um, I would say from a position player side, um, there was a lot of things to like with, uh, with Michael Harris, obviously he's, uh, very talented. One, one thing that I was waiting to see a little bit more from him was, uh, the power then he, he did not hit a home run, uh, at state mutual stadium last year. He had some home runs on the road. I think that's probably the last part of his, uh, game that will you know explode i mean he's obviously got the power potential the sweet left-handed swing the thing about him that that separates him from some of the recent guys who have come through there is to me he's more balanced than some of the other outfielders he is above average to me uh with all five tools you could see him playing an above average defense in center or in right, uh, he's a guy that will hit for average. He was a little, maybe a little jumpy the first month or so with the strikeout and walk rates, but that evened out over time as he just settled into it. And um, you know, he he started just waiting for his pitch a little bit more. But he's obviously a, a top prospect now and is on all the the new preseason you know top one hundred list and all those things. He's quiet. He's uh, kind of an unassuming guy, but he's very confident. And um, he just, I mean, he was in Rome in 2019 when they were full season single A, one level below where they where Rome currently is. He came up after being, he had been drafted, I want to say maybe six weeks prior. And uh, that team, was, the 19 Rome Braves team was really good and was competing for a playoff spa division title that year. That was also back when they split the, minor league seasons into halves, as you recall. And they brought Mike up. He had been drafted out of the Atlanta area high school ranks and then was in Rome in full season ball with in less than two months after being drafted. And that's very rare. Um, it, he came up, and even then, the first thing I noticed then was how uh, grounded he was and how focused he was on uh, getting better every day. You, you see guys 
guys just have different personalities, but some guys, you know, take practice, uh, BP and things like that a little more seriously than others do. And he really takes his practice and his reps seriously and his defense, uh, even you, you weren't sure at that age, how overpowered he may or may not be against what at that time in the South Atlantic league, you know, your pitchers are going to be 22, 23 years old guys who pitched primarily coming out of college and he had just graduated from high school. So the bat was maybe not there right away facing guys five and six years older than he was, but his defense was fantastic. He's got a great arm. Uh, That's something that I think Braves fans will see as he rises is how good of an arm he has as a left-hander. He was gunning guys out. I remember being in Greensboro after he came up and he made an outstanding catch sliding catch in the bullpen the visitors bullpen in foul territory got up and then threw a rocket to third base from uh, foul ground and right field and he was just 18 at that time and I was like this kid is you know going to be special and I've seen a lot of great outfielders come through Rome in the time that I've been there Ronald Acuna Jr. was there he was a center fielder when he was there Drew Waters Christian Pache, Mike, um, and Jesse Franklin played some center field too. Had some, uh, Justin Dean was a phenomenal center fielder in Rome. So, I mean, there, there's been a lot of really good defensive outfielders. The only one that I would say would be on a level above Mike would be Pache, but that's not taking anything away from anyone else. Pache is the best defensive center fielder in the minor leagues I've ever seen. And that's, it's, that yeah, that that's, that's what, his his carrying tool for sure. Um, yeah, but that, Mike can do it all, and that's that's what I've heard strength. a lot about Michael Harris is that uh, you know everybody you know obviously talks about the bat, but yeah, what I've heard from multiple people now, you know, including yourself, is that his defense is is right there, and you know maybe not better than Pache's. You said Pache is the best in all of minor league, but you know certainly seen, yeah. just yeah just right below him. So um, that's a great. As well, I did just want to quickly ask you. You mentioned the power. He didn't hit a home run there in Rome. I've been to that ballpark once, but I don't remember. Is that a more of a pitcher friendly park? Is there a reason you it know, why the power it was okay? It was modeled after the old Turner Field because when they built Rome in uh, mm-hmm. 0102 era, they modeled it after same dimensions as Turner Field, and it was particularly difficult on left-handed power hitters. Uh, which is part of what made Jesse Franklin's season this past year so incredible. It, yeah. it, very rare to see big power to center and right center for left-handed hitters in that ballpark. And uh, Franklin Franklin could do it. And, and uh, to have that much pull power and power alley, dead center power uh, in that park is, is rare. And uh, Jesse Franklin had that this past year. That's probably what will stick out to me the most from his time in Rome was uh, tremendous left-handed power for him. And uh, that's another guy where you were wondering if, you know, when it would, the light would turn on for him because he was a little slow out of the gate, but then he went on a tear, was player of the month. You know, I thought for a while he was going to be a 30-30, have a 30-30 season. Um, and he's certainly capable of that as he rises. The only thing you have to watch with him is make sure the swing doesn't get too big and, and watch the strikeouts. But um, he's he's very special, too. And the Braves were extremely aggressive with promoting uh, 
guys from Rome last year, especially the pitchers, which, you know, one after another, the, the rotation the, was completely gone by like June, you know, it was a, a remodeled pitching staff, um, had Tarnock come up and then Freddie moved up quick. And, but Franklin and on the position player side, they did a lot of promoting as well. Not quite as extreme as it was on the, on the pitching side, but with Harris and Franklin and people kept saying, when are they going to promote these guys? When are they going to mm-hmm. promote them? And they were very deliberate and wanting them to have that full season experience in Rome, which they did for a lot of guys in the past. This isn't the same player development group as it was years ago, but that wasn't an unheard of thing. Um, Acuna did that. Ozzy did that. Pache did that where they wanted a guy to go opening day to end of season, just being in Rome and, and trying to work on different things, becoming a more complete player. And, and Rome is a good place and has been a good place for guys to, you know, to get acclimated to pro ball for most of its existence. It was the first full season team in the organization and Rome, uh, the Braves, excuse me, Atlanta Braves never had in the old minor league structure. They did not have a short season, uh, high a, you know, club, essentially a, a New York Penn or a Northwest league team. They had, they went straight from GCL, then rookie ball, and then in Danville and then all the way up. So they would pull GCL and Danville straight to, you know, all the way up to full season, which was a big jump. That's a missing a step. And so mm-hmm. having guys get that full experience and, and in some cases, um, guys be just being in America for an extended period for the first time that they ever, ever done it. Um, I remember being in Asheville in 20, I think 2018, it was the first road trip of the year. And it was, we played that, played the first game of that series in a snowstorm. And Asheville was like, look, we've already had to cancel mm-hmm. our opening day this week. The weather's been terrible. We're playing this game tonight. And everybody's like, okay. And so we played in snow. Kyle Muller started that game, by the way. Uh-huh. And I mean, it was so interesting, first of all, to play a game in snow, but that team had a lot of players from Latin America. And I remember the guys coming out of the clubhouse <laughs> in pregame when it started to snow. And they had never, most of them had never seen snow before their entire lives. Uh-huh. And I remember them just walking around, you know, like little kids walking around yeah. on the field. Um, trying to to catch the snow. So I mean, there is there's the player development part, and there's also the you know guys just need time to kind of mature off the field and learn learn things about themselves too, and that's part of the minor league experience as well. Yeah, for sure, that's great. Um, all right, I want to take a quick break and then come back and talk about some more Braves prospects. Before we do that, let me tell you about Built Bar. And this is the time of the year where I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution at all because I actually enjoy eating them. And have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bar with these. Go to built.com and scroll down to the macros chart to be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carbs, 
Most built bars contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozen of net carbs. And there's all kinds of great flavors at built at built bar. You got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and right now they have the white chocolate cookies and cream so go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order again use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right kevin so another player uh, he was only there for three starts but he's starting to become one of my favorite braves prospects and that is spencer strider who you know crossed several levels four played five different levels of baseball last year uh two of his starts were at home so hopefully uh you did get to watch those games closely but just give me your thoughts on spencer strider and what his ceiling could be uh because i'm very high on him you know whether he becomes you know a frontline starter or i think he could be a dominant you know back of the game bullpen type arm yeah he was his time in rome as you mentioned uh it was brief but it was very strong uh he threw hard you know was consistently Velo was up there uh, mid and upper 90s when he was there. They were a little bit more um, probably guarded with velocity readings um, this year than than in past years. But uh, for all pitchers, not not just him, but the um, you know, you could get the readings and see that he was he was throwing hard ball, had a lot of movement to it. I, I'm not a scout, but he was he was fantastic in the time that that he was there and was a easy to see he was a tremendous competitor very intense on the mound um kind of demonstrative you know which some people don't like that i love it personally i like the the max scherzer style psycho on the mound that's always fun to watch and um you know he just had a lot of personality when he pitched and liked that about him they kept him in augusta um pretty long time last year and then promoted him obviously got got through the entire system and into uh, the big leagues quickly uh, was an older pitcher, you know, a, a college draftee and a guy that had lost uh, some minor league development time because of the, the 2020, the COVID pandemic, but he was very impressive when he was in Rome. I wish I would have gotten to uh, interview him, but that was of course uh, no dugout, no field, no clubhouse policy for media last year. So I didn't get a chance to, to visit with him, but uh, really enjoyed watching him pitch. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love to just get that added insight. You know, you talk about that, kind of that Max Scherzer bulldog mentality. That's kind of what I see from him as well, and I absolutely love that. And um, I know you can't put that really in a scouting reporter and a metric, but I just I love pitchers who have that type of mentality, and I think Strider does. Um, all right, just moving. You know, not necessarily prospects in the system now. But who are some of your favorite Braves prospects that you've seen come through Rome over your, you know, six, seven years there? Well, a lot of great players and uh, a lot of great people that I had the, the pleasure to, to meet and work with, too. Um, among my favorites would certainly be uh, Ozzy, guy that you just knew when you met him that he was going to be a big leaguer knew it right away and people don't realize, or maybe they do when they see him on TV, but it, it, he is very small. Like he is one of the smallest players I've ever seen in, in pro baseball, but he's very strong and he's well built and he works, you know, harder than anybody. And you, he just had a, uh, 
some guys just have that quality that you know that they're you wouldn't worry about him making the right decisions. You wouldn't worry about him uh, getting distracted by something. He was a guy that was he was going to be in his mind a major league starting position player and nothing was going to be able to derail him from doing that. And he was on a, a Rome team in 2015 that wasn't very good. That was when the the teardown had just started under Coppolella and John Hart and guys were, they were starting to rebuild the system. And Ozzy honestly was pretty underrated at that time. He was considered a prospect, but you know, he was listed. If you go back and look at some of those baseball America lists from that time, he was not, uh, really considered the way that he should have been the one guy that was on him big time as a scout was uh, Bill Ballou who was written for Baseball America for years Bill was all over it and we went to Asheville a lot that season where he is a works for the tourists a little bit and at that time I'm not sure if he still is but Bill is a great guy and his Braves scouting roots go back a long ways and he said, people don't get it with this kid. He's the number one prospect in the system. You know, uh-huh. people are talking about these other players. They don't They don't get it. And he was right, 100%, that Ozzy was. Of course, also at that time, people didn't know that Ronald Acuna Jr. was what he was going to be either. And the he was even less of a prospect the next year as Ozzy had been in 15, contrary to... Uh, what some people think they did not play together in Rome. Ozzy right. was 15, Ronnie was 16, and he was hurt for about half that year. He had a thumb issue that he on a head first slide into second base, which is still to this day when I watch the Braves play and he slides head first. I have a little, you know, you know, mm-hmm. just worried that he's gonna get his thumb or his hand stepped on or something because he plays so hard. But that was the, um, they had the same pretty, pretty similar experiences, went through the full, you know, as 18 year olds and those probably the, the two most naturally gifted uh, position players that had come through for um, pitchers and people and um, just guys that were just great to be around. I'd have Mike Soroka high on any list. Um, Mike is a wonderful person, has a, a great family he was the best pitcher in that league when he was 18. He and probably Patrick Weigel um, were at the top of that rotation most of that regular season. That rotation also had Tukey Toussaint and Colby Allard was on that team. Ricardo Sanchez, who ended up making it into the the major leagues. A lot of, lot of great pitchers. And, of course, the guy who has become the most heralded uh, as a big leaguer is Max Free. Max was on that team. Another guy is a lot of fun to be around. And um, Max was on the mound for all of the clinching games in the playoff run for Rome that year. He pitched all the the division title, the each round of the playoffs. He was the starting pitcher, the winning pitcher. And then of course he was just the winning pitcher in the clinching game of the world series. So he's, he's got a knack for it. And, um, those would be all the all the pitchers in that rotation that year were great. Um, the the following year, to for just for your pure entertainment value, watching Christian Pache um, shag fly balls during batting practice, I would pay money to see that on a regular basis. He just glided out there, really fun uh, guy to be around. And you know, I think 
looking back on it, just um, very fortunate to have come into the Braves organization at the time I did to have been with the organization coming in at the time that I did at the start of the the minor league system really beginning to shine, eventually becoming the number one system in baseball and watching a lot of the guys that won uh, a championship in Rome, just win a championship in Atlanta, a lot of those same players um, and just having uh, great relationships and experiences with those guys when they were in Rome. It's really great people too. And uh, you know, guys that were just easy to, to interview guys that were easy to, to be around guys who worked hard, who, who did things, um, you know, in the community while they were in Rome and, um, just were, were wonderful to, to have as, uh, as Rome Braves and a good reflection of the kind of, uh, the play, those kind of players make a clubhouse great and are part of how you, you win a championship. Um, you know, Austin Riley, Max Freed, Acuna, Tukey, all those guys from 16 were, were special. And the next year with uh, Ian Anderson, Tucker Davidson, Joey Wentz, Bryce Wilson, that that rotation was loaded. Uh, Jeremy Walker was on that team uh, that year. He made it into the big leagues for a little bit. The following year, even um, the next wave of guys, they didn't get as much uh, press clippings, but that most of that 2018 rotation eventually made it to the major leagues too with uh, Kyle Muller and uh, Waskari Noah, who was kind of coming into his own at that time. And he was, he did not fare too well at the beginning when he was there and they got him straightened out and he worked harder and he figured it out and made himself a big league pitcher. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman was on that team. He's been a starter for the, for the Orioles. He was in the Gaussman deal a few years ago. So, I mean, there has just been a tremendous amount of talent that I saw come through Rome uh, coming in when I did. And, and, you know, even through to today, there's just been a lot of great prospects and I've been very fortunate, you know, if, if it was the previous, you know, six or seven years, hmm. wouldn't have been nearly as many major league guys. And you're talking about impact players maybe even a, a hall of famer or two, you know, in that group, it's, it's certainly possible that mm-hmm. 2016 team, uh, Jake, just that team alone, I think has had 13 now major leaguer. Maybe it might be 14. I'm going to have to go to go check again, but that team alone more than a dozen, because I know uh, Juan Yepes was on the postseason roster in the wild card game. And he was a guy that played um, on that 16 team. He's still doing so. When he made it this past October, that was yet another guy from the 2016 Rome Braves um, who was traded the next year, way back, you know, five years ago in the Matt Adams deal, which hmm. seems like forever ago. So, I mean, there's still guys from back then that were really young who are even in the minor leagues from that club. So, the Braves put together a tremendous amount of talent, and I've been really fortunate to be around to see a lot of it come through. Yeah, like you said, been a, a great time to work in the Braves minor league system with all the talent they've had come through that's now, you know, turned into a World Series championship for sure. And we talked about a lot of starting pitchers, you know, that's really what they focused on in the rebuild. And even now, you know, the ones that came through last year, they just continue to develop pitching at that level. 
Uh, next, I wanted to just ask you about the state of, of minor league baseball in general. Get your thoughts on that. Before we do that, let me tell you about Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, uh, like I said, I mainly just wanted to end here kind of getting your thought on minor league baseball as a whole. We talked about the changes that were made, you know, in 2020. There's obviously a lot of discussion going on right now with how minor league players are are paid. Um, And look, I worked in rookie level ball. I've seen, you know, how little those players make and, um, you know, a bunch of them just sleeping in the same hotel room. So I, I see what that looks like. I've, you know, experienced it firsthand. And that's a very, you know, hot topic uh, item right now. But overall, I mean, do you feel that the minor league game is in a good place? You know, I certainly do. I think there's so much coverage now, you know, with MILB.TV. There's so many, you know, fans or, you know, just casual fans even now who seem to be more invested in minor league players and prospects. And that information just seems so much more easier to gather now, which I think, you know, makes it a more, immersive sport because the one thing that baseball struggles with that other sports don't is that when a baseball player gets drafted you don't see them for three four or five years and you know they don't really get to become household names but that seems to have changed a little bit now with how much focus there is on prospects in the game that i think has elevated the minor league game itself but i want to get your thoughts where you feel like the minor league game is where it could grow um where you know it maybe it's failing or falling short right now well, I think it's a wonderful time uh, to be interested in the minor leagues or to work in the minor leagues, follow it, uh, any of those things uh, for the fans. I think it's a, a wonderful time. You know, the Internet's the best thing that ever happened to the minors. You've got, you know, when I was growing up, I don't know how you would have even accessed minor league information or box scores other than maybe if you opened a newspaper, you know, opening up a, a Sunday paper, you might get a blurb or something if you're following uh you know, in the, in the nineties, you say, Oh, uh, Andrew Jones hit four home runs and, uh, for Richmond this week. And you wouldn't, how would you know that until you, you know, saw it in a newspaper, but now you can follow the box scores of every game for the full season teams. Most of them have TV and, you know, we have, uh, one of the larger followings of minor league, uh, baseball television in Rome. They've had, uh, a very, that's something that's been um, heavily viewed over the years and certainly having the, all the prospects helps. Um, that's not, you know, regular television. It's, but it is, uh, you know, high def internet television and it's awesome. And mm-hmm. uh, folks can, can see it. And I mean, even think about for the parents, I mean, we, we have people, you know, watching in, in Latin America or watching, you know, we had a pitcher who is from Australia you know, they could watch their their son play, um, you know, halfway around the world. Stuff like that is just amazing. And uh, to have the, the all, you know, all the Braves great websites that that cover the team and cover the minor leagues and yours and 
tomahawk take and talking chop and all of the the people that are dedicated to the minor leagues and i've met a lot of those guys like yourself through the years and you guys are are dedicated to it and cover it so i mean i think if you want to say i'm a braves fan and i want to follow the minor leagues you've got a lot of wonderful options out there people that really care about it and uh, that's a totally different experience than like for example i'm 38 there was nothing like that you know when i was growing up that's a totally different experience now and i think it's great the more exposure the better for these minor league players the best thing for the players in the new deal is that you can't have um really substandard facilities anymore you can't have substandard meals there was a time in the old league like where guys just on visiting teams loved coming to rome because the ballpark was nice the facilities were good um and it was light years ahead of some of the other affiliates in the league augusta's new ballpark is awesome augusta's old ballpark was not awesome Uh, i can tell you that for a fact uh and i and i still liked going there but i mean it was you know not having air conditioning in a clubhouse in augusta in july and august not a super comfortable thing (laughs) and you know so that that kind of stuff you know that that's a big that's a big change the braves were on the cutting edge of that of having their players having better you know just better food better nutrition better training um some of that type of stuff just taking better care of their players i do um agree with you know wanting the pairs to have better better pay and there there are always a handful of guys who are high draft picks who you know they don't need the extra 500 or whatever a week but a lot of the other guys do you know the majority of the players that would really mean a lot to them helping them with their housing all of those things so i I would love to see that that's something that i hope is going to be addressed uh in the cba i think it's it's going to be wonderful for the minor leagues moving forward uh it is going to be different probably in some ways for the braves affiliates not being owned by the the big league club anymore i think that probably more impact the the people that impacts the most i think are probably the people who work full-time for the braves on those affiliates you know they're not those people are not quote unquote atlanta braves employees anymore per se they're uh, they're working for for someone else i don't think it'll change much for the for the players the coaches the staff and all of that those guys are they come in for the season they leave you know the full-time people are there they live there they work there all of those things so i think for some of those people it'll be a different experience um if there was anything um that i would miss from the old system would probably just be um you know that league was fun the way it was structured uh it you know the new league is good too. It it was just there are there were, you know, some aspects of that that were unique. Rome's old division, you know, you you mo- you ver- really didn't play the teams in the other division all that much. You'd have a crossover couple of weeks where you might go to New Jersey and Maryland, but for the most part, you played your divisional teams about two thirds or more of the time. And Rome's old division was so awesome. You know, it was. Asheville and Charleston, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Columbia and that new ballpark, uh, Asheville, which is great, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, which was, I think, the biggest city in the old league. That was a pretty big town. I was surprised they 
they lost their their team there. Um, and then Augusta, which uh, was both the old ballpark and the new ballpark. Either way, I enjoyed going there, but the new ballpark was definitely a huge uh, addition. And that's also, of course, now in the Braves system too. So um, that that division was just was just awesome. And those teams played so much, and you get to know, you know, get meet a lot of people in all of those cities and the staffers and, and friends and broadcast friends and all of those things. So that was a, a really fun time. And most of those places weren't hard to travel to either from Rome, maybe four hours or less for a lot of those. So it wasn't too bad. And um, I'll always enjoy, enjoy those memories, but the new league also good. So I don't, I don't want it to seem like I'm uh, downgrading the new league, but the, the old division and the old league was pretty great. Yeah. Well, I mean that's that's great. Uh, I'd love to get that insight from the minor league perspective. I think the the minor leagues are so fascinating. Like I said, I worked in minor league baseball uh, for a little while as well, and, and I just love the minor league atmosphere. I live in Birmingham, so I have the the Barons here, uh, and I go to a lot of their games, and just love the minor league game. And you know, you just get to for me to know those players at such a more human level, you know, down to earth level at those. Uh, minor league stadiums and games so appreciate you providing your insight on that and appreciate you so much for for joining the show if you aren't already make sure that you follow kevin on twitter as well and make sure that you listen to him uh, as part of the roma braves broadcast you can follow him on twitter at kevin carroll 21 that's kevin k-a-r-e-l 21 on twitter but that will do it for this episode of locked on braves be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves. You can follow me on Twitter at Shortstop Ball. Also, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.